summoned, I come. In Valen's name, I take the place that has been prepared for me. I am gray. I stand between the candle and the star. We are gray. We stand between the darkness and the light. Need place. Place to gather, to fight, to organize. You need Babylon 4 as a base of operations in a war, is that it? Help save galaxy on the side of light. A startling discovery. Babylon 4 requesting help. It's impossible. Could mean a new beginning. Or is the end of everything. Unknown you, Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. out there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we are a group of first time watchers and first ones who have been watching for quite some time babylon 5 and we are getting very close to the end of season one we're here to talk about episode 20 on our watch order which is babylon squared i'm scott and with me as always is Justin, Blake, Emily, Kevin, John, Jesse, Nicole, and Andrew. So before we get started, guys, a couple quick housekeeping notes. First and foremost, we have coming up uh, at the end of season one, our live season one recap, which will be on our YouTube channel. That's going to be December 11th. And you can already go to our YouTube account, which is listed in the show notes below and click the notify button on that live event so you'll get told right when we go live. We're going to be doing a quite a bit in terms of discussing season one, finding out where the newbies fell on a whole bunch of different episodes, and getting some predictions and questions about what will happen in season two. So be sure to lock into that one so when we go live December 11th, you can be a part of that live conversation. Along with that, if you want to be more involved in the live conversations, we do have our Patreon, patreon.com slash gray17podcast. Again, the link is in the show notes below. We have several tiers where you can get involved. All the tiers have our Discord, so you can get uh, have conversations with us as a co-host and also all the other Patreons who are helping us out. Along with that, there are opportunities for you to join in uh, Q&As with us, as well as being able to submit your feedback to the show itself. And finally, if you can go the full amount, we have our producers, our gray council, who are really helping to keep the show going. And you can see a list of the producers in the show notes below. So thank you very much to our producers for all your help. So if you join our Patreon, not only will you get our sweet show notes, but you'll get to actually ask us questions. A lot of the time in the Facebook group, people are curious about who we are, which I have no idea why, because we're a bunch of animals. But, um, you know, people are really interested in us. So this is your opportunity to ask us questions and get to know us a little bit behind the scenes, too. So 
Uh, I don't know if that is something that would make you want to join our Patreon, but some people seem to like it. So I think that that's always a really fun part. And also gives us an opportunity to talk a little bit more one-on-one with um, our patrons as well. So I think that's a really cool um, highlight of Patreon. It's really cute when you get 10 co-hosts that all have imposter syndrome. Well, maybe nine of us. One of us does not have imposter syndrome at all. When you get us all involved trying to sell stuff, like, I don't know why you would want to be with us or hang out with us, but you can if you want. It's great. Hey, I was, I was toning it down for y'all. My ego's pretty through the roof. <laughs> also, we do have a new merch store. So if you want to export your gray 17 uh merch you can go to redbubble.com and search gray 17 podcast or again the link is in the show notes below all that uh the proceeds of that do go to help the show as well and we've got some fun little designs in there a lot of quotes from the show uh some stuff that is quotes from our co-hosts and we're gonna be adding more to that as we go so be sure to favor it as well too so you can get notified when we add new designs And finally, please be sure to join our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram communities as well. We have over a thousand followers on Twitter now, and we have over 600 on Facebook. So we have some really good community conversations going and we're getting a lot of good feedback from everybody. So you should be able to uh, join in there and get to know us more, but also talk Babylon 5 with people who are like minded like yourself. And over on Twitter, I actually put out here today. Uh, what folks' thoughts were on Babylon Squared. And here's a couple I got. So Lindsay Wardell said, love this episode for what it does and mystery it provides. I think my only real question is why B4 wasn't near B5, considering that they were made for the same purpose. I know the area was off limits after, but why not park B4 next to a plant like B5? Well, Lindsay, we'll talk about that beyond the rim. And then, of course, Tashali asks, do you fasten then zip or do you zip then fasten so i think this is an important question that needs to be asked so i will go through all the co-hosts and ask you do you fasten then zip or do you zip and fasten and there is definitely a right answer and a wrong answer so justin do you fasten and then zip or zip and then fasten i want to go on the record that this was part of my questions for the end of the episode oh sorry (laughs) i i do i do zip then fasten Really? Okay, that's the wrong answer. Okay, Uh, Blake, go ahead. Blake, go ahead. (laughs) Justin wants to rip his dick off, but Blake, go ahead. (laughs) Fasten and zip, of course. (laughs) Thank you. That is the correct answer. Uh, Emily, do you wear pants? Yes, you do. Yes, I do. No, I'm with Justin because otherwise, like, it just makes sense. You go up and then you fasten. Oh, my God. Well, you don't have anything to worry about in that department, Emily, so I understand for you. But I've never been hurt by it. Like, I've never caught the twig and berries in there. Like (laughs) You've never pulled something about Mary? Right, exactly. It's been fine. It's worked for me. Stepped all over my something about Mary joke I was just about to make, but... uh, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) As a male who watched that movie, I am definitely a fasten and then very carefully and consciously zip. That is the correct answer. Okay, Jesse, as you wear your um, onesie. I, <laughs> I just zipped today. There was no fastening. Um, I fasten and then zip, you all sociopaths. Yes. Like, that is the weirdest. No. Science says the correct way is fasten zip. Yes, correct. Andrew. Like your sources. <laughs> My source is Babylon 5, Babylon Wikipedia, Emily. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, are you right or wrong? He doesn't wear pants, apparently. <laughs> he doesn't speak either. Oh, fasten and then zip. There you go. <laughs> Nicole? Zip and fasten, baby. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Okay, but, but Scott, the real question is, do we want to talk about socks? <laughs> yes, yes. Left no, sock, left, left shoe, right sock, right shoe. Or you can always do the, do you put your pants on both legs at a time or one leg at a time? Again, if you put them both legs on a time, you're just doing it wrong, but it's okay. I need to hear from Daddy. You even do that. Kevin, fasten and zip or zip and fasten. Fasten and zip. See, okay, so we, based on the psychological test we just did, Justin, Emily, and Nicole have issues. And, Listen, uh, I don't have well a freaking bean situation, well, well so it's easy I for me. Either, we asked Blake. Damn. We asked Blake. Blake is correct. He fastens and zips. Okay. You assholes have known me for 20 years. You know my psychological problems. So well, yeah, but I don't know how you put your pants on, thank God. Well, now I do. Also... Also, for the record, us girls don't always wear pants where you have to fasten your zip because we like leggings and sweatpants. Oh, that's understood. I love how you just gave yourself a thumbs up there, Nicole. You were agreeing with your own comment. I didn't mean to. We're talking about pants with She's trying to prove she doesn't have imposter syndrome. If we're talking about socks, the socks I wear, the socks (laughs) I wear are foot specific. We're not talking about socks. No. Why not? We're moving on. No, we're not. We're not you having this conversation. My socks? They have turkeys. I knew a lady that gobble, gobble. those socks. Those just are yucky. I don't understand. Uh, Emily's doing yoga now. Here we go. <laughs> we'll Come, on. Come on, Emily. We can monetize this shit. Show Let's the socks. Mine say gobble till you wobble. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with his sock comment. I was going to say the people who are the zip and fasten are probably the same psychos who wear socks to bed. Yes. 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 Crazy yes, people. Actually, Actually, I, I do. Cool. No, you need to get your toesies free, man. It feels so good I when you get your socks off. Right. Okay, so nor- okay, so normally no, when I'm home, I take his socks off in my sleep. I've taken his socks off. <laughs> oh, <my> really? <laughs> I'm about to do the explicit tag on this podcast. It right. seems <laughs> my feet, like I only <laughs> undresses people while they're asleep. News at eleven. <laughs> okay. Okay. On that note, let's go ahead and get into Babylon Squared. Oh, real quick before I do that, be sure again to uh, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is, and give us a review. We really do appreciate those reviews coming in. It helps to get our podcast in front of new people. So whether you are watching on YouTube or listening on the audio version, be sure to give those stars, likes, reviews, whatever they may be to help us out. Now, over on our Facebook community, it was brought up that some people are watching us, but not watching Babylon 5 while we actually talk about it. So they're kind of confused on what we're actually talking about, which, um, okay, cool, whatever. So we had a request that we were going to have synopsises, synopses, prior to when we start talking about the episode. So we decided that our newbies would create these synopses and the first guinea pig is Justin. So Justin, tell us about Babylon Squared. Babylon 4 reappears after being missing for four years. Sinclair and Garibaldi lead a rescue mission to help evacuate the personnel when they encounter Zathras, a a previously unknown species who says he was sent by the one to help pull B4 through time in order to help end a war and bring peace to the galaxy. Meanwhile, Delenn is summoned by the Grey Council, where she is informed that she has been selected to be the new leader of the Mimbari to replace the deceased Dukat. She does not want this position as she feels her work on B5 is not yet complete and she wants to remain on the station to work with the humans whom she feels has a special destiny in the universe. Nice. 
That is not bad, Justin. Good job. That was really good. You actually Yay. set everyone else up now because John's going to go next week with Legacies. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and start talking first impressions on Babylon Squared. And since we've already heard from Justin, I'm going to go over to Emily first. What is wrong with Sinclair and Garibaldi to even say that they love mornings, even if they're joking? Like, they are damaged, damaged people. Mornings are the worst. But generally, I was left with a lot of questions about the Grey Council, whether or not they were actually hoping Delyn would leave the council, because that felt like a setup to get her to leave it for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Hmm. Interesting. Say what you will about Sinclair in the mornings. That man has a voice as smooth as butter. John, well, what do you got? We didn't know about. Yeah, you know, whatever gets my rocks off. John, you're up. First impressions. This was an episode, man. No Londo, so I'll... I'll dock it for that, but uh, just chock full of other sci-fi tropes that I thoroughly enjoy, not the least of which is time travel, which I will save for my little nerd portion later. Um, but there was a bunch of shit in this episode that uh, took me, I had to pause a couple of times to be like, what the fuck? And, uh, and think about it. So I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, again, we'll get into the specifics when we talk about just this whole plot, but uh, this one was a big one. It's funny, so that Emily just went because as I'm watching, you know, it's kind of a Delenn heavy episode and she featured prominently. I was like, oh man, I wonder if Emily's loving this or hating this because literally one of my notes was like, here's Delenn doing some shady shit, counter Nicole. And I was, I was super interested to hear what Emily's thoughts are on this episode. So uh, overall, I enjoyed it. I'm excited. We are barreling towards the finish of season one and, and I'm pumped. Again, I have to point out that John is enjoying the show now. Uh, so that it was um, in question for a long time. So I'm happy to say that at least for now, <laughs> John's enjoying the show. Jesse, what do you got? First impressions. So I went back and forth the entire show going, holy shit. And what the fuck? And holy shit. And what the fuck? Like it was um, a pretty decent episode in my opinion. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was confused the entire time and I'm still confused. Um, not a hundred percent sure. I finally have questions, um, for the end part, but, um, it was, it was fun and it was, um, crazy and I enjoyed it. Andrew. All right. So I don't know about anybody else, but I thoroughly loved that opening bit where Sinclair and Garibaldi are like pranking, uh, Ivanova. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, very, uh, very excited to see that the great council was finally coming back in. I was starting to wonder what was going on with them and yeah i i'm just as confused as ever about what's coming there's a new piece for a, a trailer if i make a new one i'm just as confused as ever <laughs> it's great <laughs> nicole first impressions well my first overall reaction to this episode was like holy shit this episode because there was a lot going on um overall i really really liked it i think i have not been as excited about an episode in a while as i have been for this one um i noticed a lot of really interesting references that i wonder if they have meaning which i'll ask in my question section of course um but also i i really liked the um the two plots i thought they were both really interesting i thought it kind of played together pretty well i thought there was a good amount of you know a little humor in there but then there was like the serious things the flash forwards and flashbacks were wild um there was just so much that happened in this episode um that i really thought it was just a lot to take in um the ending really got me like i was like oh damn like i was yelling at my computer when i was watching it um at that point so uh i have a lot of questions 
like everybody else, because uh, this was kind of a crazy ass episode. Um, but I did also like uh, a little bit further into the Great Council uh, information because we really haven't seen a lot of that yet. So that was really cool to get a little bit more on that. So uh, I really, really liked this episode. It's Justin, first impressions. I feel like I've said this uh, more than once, but I think this is probably my new favorite episode. It has it is such a hot, steaming pile of foreshadowing um that it just had me hooked from the very beginning yeah like others i love seeing the great council come back and i think really this is a really good episode for for delin because you see where her loyalties lie i think in a lot where you know she's 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 offered this gift of being the leader of the mimbari people and she turns it down in favor of you know being back on babylon 5 and then then just the whole episode of babylon 4 we finally get some answers with what happened to Babylon 4 and honestly that's I I absolutely loved it. I love the I love the kind of peaks into the future and just kind of the the speculation of where it's going to go from here. To me there's a lot of like a scent of war in the air and I think kind of that's kind of being c- coming up where something bad's going to happen and it's going to happen pretty soon, I think. So I I loved it. I'll go over to our first ones, those who have seen the whole show. Blake, any uh, non-spoilerly impressions of Babylon Square? This is going to be hard. <laughs> it, 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 that's that's what I was going to say. That's the challenge with this one. I mean, I do love this episode, but I can't get into really why. Um, other than I'm going to say, I agree with Andrew, that opening scene with Garibaldi and Sinclair and then just Ivanova screaming at Garibaldi at the end. I, I love that scene. That's probably one of my favorite Ivanova scenes, but... I mean, this is a strong episode. It packs a lot into an hour uh, for an episode, especially with both plots. Um, Again, why I like that, I can't really get into. So I'm just going to say great episode, in my opinion. I want to know how long it took Sinclair and Garibaldi to come up with the plan to go after Ivanova because they had to get the food ready. They had to be prepared with making sure CNC doesn't reply mm-hmm. back saying, we don't know what the hell's going on. This had to have been in the making for a couple of days. And I really appreciate well, those kind of good pranks. Yes. And they had to have empty containers just sitting around that yes. they can then swap out and stuff like that. So it was, it was a big setup and it really paid off. But I'm with Emily. I am not a morning person at all. If you talk to me before 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., maybe we're going to have issues. So I feel Ivanova's pain when she walks into that room. And I want to kill Garibaldi for her for that reason. Well, Scott, I mean, you and I have worked in the same office building before. I mean, you recall there were people that would not talk to me until like half the coffee pot was gone. (laughs) And then there's Mary, who we just didn't want to have talk to you ever. Ever. Yes, correct. She's not listening. It's fine. Kevin, first impressions on Babylon Squared. I also really enjoyed the prank. Um, I, I really enjoy the the Delenn stuff in this. It really gives you finally some insight, clear insight with Delenn without, um, <clears throat> you know, tons and tons of more questions. Uh, you know, obviously it's this is a pivotal episode and it's tough for the people who have seen the rest of the show, but um, it... Uh, it's it's a very good episode overall i like the humor sprinkled into this episode quite a bit which has already been talked about but the the uh, fast and zip discussion and the what about socks you know that's all funny too um 
but yeah, overall, um, I think there's um uh, some really great acting in this one by one of the uh one of the the guest stars, Tim Choate, um, as Zathras. I thought his acting was some of the best that I've seen in the series uh, thus far, as far as Kent Broadhurst as the 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 major. I can't say that I was a fan of his acting, but that we'll talk about that. Yeah, I will just add that Zathras is one of my favorite side characters, and so his humor and his deadpan delivery of everything just I I I, I love Zathras so much. So I I was looking forward to having Zathras on the show. Uh, along with that, I think uh, what I've told you guys a couple times through all of this <clears throat> is. Yes, there are questions that are asked throughout the show, but what JMS is good about that other showrunners recently have not been is these are not mystery boxes to where you're never going to get an answer or, or the answer you're going to get is not going to be what you're looking for. He will set up some questions and then he will answer those questions. So like what happened to B4? You guys know now. Kinda. What happened to B4? You didn't have to wait until season five or a book or something to figure that out. So more questions will be raised as we can continue the series. And then those questions will be answered and then more questions will come up. So it allows the audience to kind of stick with the narrative more than what a lot of serialized TV does, uh, especially sci-fi serialized TV. So I think this is just another example of how JMS's plan is working. JMS had all of his episodes, for the most part, listed on note cards for the entire five years of the show. So that allows him to sprinkle this stuff in. And so we get some of these big lore episodes that really start answering some questions and checking some boxes off. So I'm glad that we finally got here, and I'm glad you guys seem to have all enjoyed it. So let's keep talking about it. John, you're up. It's funny you talk about questions because I have more questions from this show in my notes than any previous show, <laughs> one of which I will just jump to right now because I just want to see if you guys had the same thing. So I know for the most of us, I think maybe Emily is not, but I think everyone else is watching on HBO Max. There was what seemed to be a commercial cutaway and they flashed a Babylon 5 graphic. Did everyone else get that? Yep, yep. That's just uh, it's an artifact. That's how it used to go to commercial back in the day. And for some reason, the intern that did the conversion that didn't cut that out. <laughs> Ooh, that had to be a mistake, but... I, just, I saw that and I go, what the hell? That was weird. Emily. Did anyone else catch that the commander of B4 called it a ship and not a station? Well, um, I don't think this is really spoilerly, so I'll throw it out there. Babylon 4 was a ship. Because, you know, we had the person ask on Twitter, why wasn't it built around a planet? Babylon 4 was created to be movable where Babylon 5 is not. Part of that is budget cuts. When you went through stations 1, 2, 3, and 4, and none of them got uh, online, they decided to really go bare bones with Babylon 5, so they made it into just a stationary station. But Babylon 4 was designed to be mobile. Okay. Because I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> They're calling it a ship, not a station. <laughs> it's also bigger than Babylon 5, a lot bigger. Yeah. So it's funny you say that, because... So another thing I wonder, I was like, oh, so obviously they went with a different design, right? So it doesn't look the same. And I thought, well, sure, if I, my previous four had blown up, I might try something different. So I get that kind of, or not blown up, but you know, whatever, didn't. Yeah, sabotage, blown up, something disappeared. <laughs> but it's funny you say that it was larger because one of the questions I had, I don't feel like it's probably going to come up again. So maybe you can answer it if it's even known. So you said it was bigger. 
one of the questions I wrote when I asked, it was only a crew of 1,200. It wasn't online yet. That was the maintenance crew. Like even the guy who's in charge is not going to be the station commander. He's the guy who's there to turn the lights on. Yeah, he said it was a skeleton crew. So mm-hmm. that was before everything was fully operational. It's Jinxone and another couple thousand or a couple hundred people. So it was just pretty much the builders and yes. the, like the project manager, if you will, for. Yes. Yeah. So basically it's the core of engineers. They're getting the dam going before the real crew comes on to run it. Well, I don't know. If, again, so I don't know if this is a question, but it was an interesting thought I had. Okay. So if Babylon 4 stays, if we see it again, I wonder what would happen if you had two Babylon stations, the regular station is ship. I wonder what that mission would be like if you had, if, you know, if, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, so I wonder if they're going to have Babylon 4 be permanently here and how that's going to interact with 5. And then of course I thought, man, it probably won't stay because that would make things complicated and it'd be weird to name a show Babylon 5 and then have two ships but or a ship and a station excuse me (laughs) i think we can discuss that and beyond the rim a little bit but yeah jesse what do you got so really we're just not going to do talking about the show we're just going to do questions well i mean (laughs) this is one of those episodes i will i will tell you again without spoiling anything as i just said jms does not make you ask questions he will not answer so right you will get answers to what happened here it's just not going to be for a while I know how not to pull a Kevin. <laughs> I thought about you today during the episode, Kevin, when something happened and I was like, oh, see, you know what Kevin said made all the sense in the world. This episode was, it was nuts. And when we're watching, again, the commander and the head of security get in a ship and fly over to another ship. I'm sorry, get in the, it's a ship, right? Yeah, what they got in was a ship. It moves from point A to point B. It's a ship, you're fine. Kevin's got me terrified to call anything a ship. So they get in the little fire plane and they fly It's definitely not a plane because it's in space, but good job. (laughs) They fly, I think I had it right for a sec. So they get into the, so they both get into the ship. Previously, somebody had died trying to do the same, the same mission. So Again, yep. we're seeing like unrealistic shit. Like you're putting the two, one of the two, two of the three top ranking officials in the same ship and flying them over to possibly die. Anyway, uh, again, this is my brain not understanding sci-fi. So you see them get there and I'm confused the whole damn time. Like, I don't know what's happening. My husband was watching it. And he's like, what's happening? I'm like, I don't, don't ask me. Like, I have no idea what's happening right now. So they get over there. And I guess my question from the whole thing, there were so many questions, but the one, they just left all those people there. Left left all who people there? They had all those people, you know, they were letting like five out at a time. No, they evacuated the whole crew. Huh? The crew got evacuated. They're gone. They got, they got evacuated. All 1,200 of them got evacuated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because what it looked like when he was like, we got to go, it looked like they just left all those people. No, because actually Garibaldi and Sinclair, if I remember right, basically say we're the last ones. Or Garibaldi says you're the last okay. one. Let's go. Okay. I guess that was my I guess that was my main question from that was like you just picked five people at a time to go and then you just left the rest of whatever happened to the ship. But yeah. Justin. Well, and I guess a lot of my questions with this part of the episode was the whole tachyon bubble thing that was going on. Like like it killed the first guy who encountered it. But then yet all the other shuttles and everything else was able to pass through fine. So that was something that kind of confused me a little bit. Um, But I guess, was I the only person who, like, as soon as I saw, like, the guy, the the one who was, like, phasing in and out during the episode was like, I don't know. Like, was I the only person was like, oh, I wonder if that's Sinclair. 
or like to me it was like i if not sinclair then somebody that we know was I the one like was i was sinclair. yeah That's i was like knows. it was it was kind of predictable to I some kind of degree because because like they even even um you know even they were saying like oh well he's somebody who is sacrificing himself for you know, everyone else. And it was like, okay, that's totally a Sinclair move. Like, and when he got so, zapped, when he tried to touch him. Right. You know, like, yeah, you can't do that with time travel. That's a no-no. You can't, like, interact with yourself here. Right. So <laughs> it was like, it's, I mean, honestly, like, the fact that, like, then when, like, at the end, when he pulled off his helmet, it was Sinclair. It was like, nothing about that shocked or surprised me. So, but like, he said it was, you're not it was, the one. Like, he's when not he's, the right one. He's not from the right time. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, though, I don't think Zathras has ever seen, maybe has never seen his face. Oh, yeah. Because all, maybe all he has ever seen was the suit. Oh. So, like, when when he was standing over him, like, when, when Zathras is pinned by that pole, and, you know, the suit was standing over him, and he's like, oh, I knew you would always be here for me at the end, or something like that. Don't come at me for not quoting it correctly. You know, and then, then you pull it off, and you see that it actually is Sinclair, like to me it was like okay that makes sense but it wasn't like surprising or shocking or anything else even like when Sinclair said I tried to warn them and you know I I tried to warn them but everything is exactly as I remembered it and I'm like oh okay that is you know to me that was more important than any kind of reveal or anything like that so to Emily's point about the um the one touching Sinclair, somebody on Twitter said that's the best pull my finger joke they've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nicole, what do you got? Again, naive Nicole. I guess it's my new my new trope. Um, I did not see that coming. I didn't know it was going to be Sinclair. I when when Zathras first looked at Sinclair, I thought maybe he knew him, maybe from like the war or you know, something with the Membarian connection, or I, I thought maybe he knew him or knew who he was because he, he kind of perked up and then he was like, oh, wait, not the right one or whatever, you know? But I, I think he knew who he was. Like, I think Zathras knew that that was the one, if that makes sense. Because looking back after it was revealed, the way that his behavior was with him, that's just the impression that I got. But yes, I am a total noob to sci-fi. So I had no idea that it was Sinclair. And then when Sinclair went to reach out and touch the guy and got zapped, I wondered if maybe there was some sort of like, you know, maybe he saw it into his memories or into his mind or something weird like that, you know, but they just didn't show it. And then the fact that Sinclair didn't want to leave and Garibaldi had to pull him out. I knew that there was a connection with him and Zathras somehow. Uh, I just didn't know what it was. And then when he said, I knew you wouldn't leave me, and he took off the helmet and he was old Sinclair with the scar on his face. Zathras knew who he was. He knew who the one was, I thought. At least that's the impression I got. So I was like, oh my God. And then uh, when he was like, I tried to warn them and Delenn puts out her hand, come on, let's go, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right. So him and Delenn are definitely in the shit together. Like they, there's something between those two. And the fact that she didn't want to become the leader of her people. And she's so fascinated and, you know, said all those nice things about humans and said they're greater than they think they are. And they can walk among the stars and all that. All of that shit came together at that moment. I was like, oh, damn. He so, wasn't going to leave her husband. They got secretly married and he doesn't yes. know it yet. <laughs> but I he just ate the like, tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't I didn't expect that at all. Like I thought maybe it would be someone we knew um or maybe somebody from the past episodes or 
but when when I saw that it was Sinclair and it was like old ass Sinclair with the scar on his face, I was like, man, he's seen some shit. I'm like, when the hell is 4993? That was one of my questions. I was like, what year is that in human years or whatever, you know, because that's what I wrote down. So I was just, I don't know. I was kind of like blown away. Again, new to sci-fi. I've never really watched a show like this before. Some things I, I have been able to kind of predict, but this one I did not predict. I also thought another cool thing was that the A and the B plot kind of came together at the end too with Delenn, because she was off screen, but you know her voice, you know what I mean? And all you saw was her hand pulling him away. I don't think we've ever seen an episode where the A and the B plot came together at the end, if that makes sense. John, what do you got? Uh, it is super adorable for Nicole and Jesse, the people who don't watch sci-fi, to have their minds blown by one of the most obvious tropes coming in, in, in sci-fi. So I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> um, I wanted to, so I do want to talk about the thing that Cole mentioned very at the end, which the delen part. But real quick, I wanted to go back to what Justin was mentioning about the time jumps too, that also threw me off because I thought, okay, so the first guy dies. Which, by the way, he seemed to be a pretty handy dude to do a bunch of shit before he dies. He's like, oh, I'm about to die. Let me carve B4 into this buckle. Let me set a course back to the main ship, and then I'm going to die. But besides that, no one else on the ship that went through all those time jumps, none of them died. None of them aged. It didn't affect – it literally only affected that one guy. So I'll pause if, Scott, if there's, like, any info about that. Otherwise, I, that also seemed just very odd to me. I can jump in on that one a little Please. bit. So, I mean, when he – when the – when the pilot was out there with the Star Fury, it was when uh, Babylon 4 was first appearing. So when the other shuttles were going uh, for the evacuation with Sinclair and Garibaldi and the rest that they took to do the evacuation, the station was pretty much already there in the time period that it was supposed to be at versus when it kind of flashed into being there. So the way I took it, because when the pilot was going near, there was kind of that bright white flash and then he screamed. So I kind of took it as that's kind of when the station first appeared and he got hit with some kind of backwash or other, you know, issue from that. Not that it was necessarily dangerous full time. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. All right. It was just I, the same thing with Justin, but, um, but I want to go back to what we were talking about the Sinclair thing and, and how you knew. And so, you know, Emily made a, a good comment, right. about This timeline. Cause after it says that he's not of this time, which, you know, Again, sci-fi, ding, ding. Okay, so this is a different version of, of him. This is, you know, it's a different version of Sinclair. Um, you know, he, he did talk to Sinclair um, in terms of, you know, for debating whether he knew him or not, which, if I remember correctly, when they first got there, the current commander of B4 was like, oh, this guy's basically said nothing. He won't talk. And then as soon as they walk in, Sinclair and Garibaldi, he's, he won't shut up. He instantly goes into a huge exposition, uh, which obviously is good for the show. But, um, but perhaps that's because he recognized Sinclair or, or some version of Sinclair. Um, but I do want to focus on uh, Nicole's point. That definitely was the lend. You definitely know Mira Furlan's voice at the end. I thought it was very, very interesting, though. That they don't show her face. They don't show her at all. Part of it could be, oh, you just want to get a good mystery. But I think perhaps that part of it is she looks wildly different or something has happened to that version. So we saw Sinclair. He's much, much older and has a giant scar. We now know that Delenn is basically being outcast from the nine and from you know her religious sex. She's kind of you know going solo. Um, so I wonder if her appearance, if something has happened um, that has changed her and 
we don't want to reveal that just yet. So uh. I kind of assumed it's why when articles about B5 pop up and the photo they use looks vastly different than what we've seen so far, <laughs> that I connected it to that and her leaving the council and why that change happened. I don't understand how it's so hard for you all not to be spoiled for a 30 year old show, but you know, what are we going to do? Right. Well- it happens. I have it happens. to start cha- trying to actively change my algorithms on my phone so my news feed changes so they stop showing me B5 stuff. I, I will say this actually came up on the Usenets back in the day because some folks were saying that, oh, it's a misdirect. You, it actually wasn't Delin. You're just making us think it's Delin. And JMS said, if I'm going to use Delin's voice, it's Delin. Huh? <laughs> Andrew, you're up. Uh, Nicole already touched on my first point, which was I also noticed that uh, Zathuris was also. Like he got kind of got a little excited when he first saw Sinclair, but then realized, oh, I know that's that's not the right Sinclair that I'm waiting for. One thing that I noticed, uh, since I'm now film boy around here, the spacesuit that old Sinclair is wearing, it looked very similar to the spacesuits that they wear in 2001: A Space Odyssey. I would even go so far as to say that it's uh, maybe they borrowed the suit. So, is there any behind-the-scenes info about that? Or sure is. You want it? Okay. I'm film boy, so I have to. Scott Hot Take coming in three, two, one. Okay, so yes, that suit is actually from 2010, the year we make contact, which, by the way, is a better film than 2001 a space odyssey oh pissed off <laughs> it's so much a better movie it's got you a better narrative it, you totally it's got a better it. narrative it's got better sci-fi with europa and what's happening down there with the creation of the monoliths and uh the creation of lucifer which by the way arthur c clark is my favorite sci-fi author of all time so the odyssey collection is an amazing set of books that stanley kubrick didn't know what the fuck he was doing when he made the movie uh, but at least 2010 was closer to the book, and we never got 2016 or 3001. Wait, you know, like God in my community. God, I know it in your community. That's Stanley great. Kubrick that's great. Like- you all want to sit around, circle jerk around uh, Kubrick. That's fine. But Kubrick is a boring person <laughs> who is an asshole to his actors and he doesn't know what to do with a fucking book. See, yes, The Shining. Yes, and actually, Clockwork the funny thing Orange. about this one Season is with 2001. With two, oh, Clockwork Orange. With 2001, actually, Clark and Kubrick were writing it at the same time because uh, Clark was working on the script and the book. And Clark's like, here's what's happening. Kubrick's like, no, I'm going to go this route instead. I'm like, you have one of the greatest sci-fi minds in the history of mankind. And you're going to say, I'm going to do it differently? Okay, cool. So we get to watch, we get to watch uh, an astronaut get old in a hotel room for a half an hour. That's great. That's that's riveting. Um, it's amazing. I freaking enjoy watching a guy get old for a half an hour in a white room with no cinematography. It's freaking it's beautiful. I hate 2001. <laughs> but going back to Andrew's question, 2010 was the, uh, the suit and actually JMS, they were on a budget and they went to a rental house and they said, hey, do you have a spacesuit? And they're like, yeah, we have one to rent right here. <laughs> and it was the one from 2010. So they rented it. The end. <laughs> I'm both scared and much for not wanting to go off on tangents. (laughs) I knew that one was going to come. I just knew it. I'm both scared and afraid that I completely agree with Scott and everything that he just said about Stanley Kubrick. Did you you say you agreed with me? Yes. Excellent. Good job. I appreciate it. I recognize that Kubrick is, you know, 
fan wanked by film students until the end of time. I get it. I just don't understand why you enjoy his films because they're boring and he doesn't have any idea how to do anything. So especially pacing. No. And he's so mean to his actors, making him do hundreds and hundreds of takes. And the takes aren't even that good anyway, because they're so tired. Like uh, the shining, Blake, you mentioned the shining. They, they, he made Nicholson, who is an amazing actor, do so many takes that by the time it's all said and done, he looks like he's half asleep. I heard a story one time. I, I feel like Shelley Duvall like yeah. literally wanted to kill him. At oh, the yeah. She time. had mental breaks yeah. during the filming yeah, that, of that. Right. That, yeah. it, it actually broke that her as an actor. Her, yeah. yeah, she she didn't ever come back from that. She flat out said that. But let's let's praise at the altar of Kubrick. Okay, moving on. Andrew, anything else you want to add? Uh, I'm going to get so much right hate now. tweets. You can send your hate mail to gray17podcast at gmail.com. He reads most of them. Tell him Filmboy sent you. <laughs> well, the only thing I'll say is, honestly, the only thing I disagree with is the fact that you named Arthur C. Clarke as the greatest sci-fi author of all time because that mantle belongs to H.G. Wells. Cut. See, I would say H.G. Wells wasn't – he was a, a father of sci-fi. Completely agree with you. But I think that – Arthur C. Clarke was able to take all of what was come before, be it H.G. Wells, be it Jules Verne, and just ran with it. By the way, you know who came up with the idea of communication satellites? Arthur C. Clarke. For fuck's sake. You know what? (laughs) You guys can do this on your own fucking time. God damn it. Jesse, you're up. Go ahead. Take (laughs) Take us off this tangent. Go for it. Eyes wide shut suck too. Jesse, go for it. Fucking fuck. All right. Andrew is, I've seen the steam come out of Andrew's ears right now. It's amazing to watch. Okay. Okay. So going back to the spoilers, because I'm not seeing anything like Emily is seeing, or like, I get that you guys are like, oh, how do you not get, you know, spoiled by a 30 year old show? But um, my algorithms clearly know that I don't give a fuck about sci-fi in general. So it's not bringing up like, it's not bringing up any, really, I'm not seeing anything other than RB5 stuff. Look at me, I don't have spoilers. Stop it. Like, (laughs) Andrew, I will punch through your screen. But no, I, I don't, my brain is not connecting on the same level that Emily and John's are because I don't, I'm not a sci-fi person. Like I've never seen, like, I didn't know until right before he took his helmet off that it was Sinclair because my brain was like, oh, it's probably Sinclair for some reason. I don't know how I got there. So it was like subconscious, but I'm not like, my brain isn't firing on all cylinders right now when it comes to like foreshadowing what's happening because I was completely freaking shocked and then still surprised and confused. So I'm not sure. Um, Again, I'm not sure my brain is set up for B5, but I'm here. You're not alone. A lot of people watch shows like this and this, they, they watch it for enjoying the show and they don't care about the sci-fi stuff. I mean, you can be absolutely a sci-fi nerd. And as soon as they mention tachyons, you know, it's going to be a time travel episode. Hat flat out because tachyons and sci-fi equal time travel. Yeah. But and you don't have to know that. Like, we don't know what those are. And I, yeah. that's my brain doesn't hear tachyon and think, oh, somebody's yeah. going to time travel. And but that's I mean, that's, that's completely thought, fine. I thought tachycardia. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Emily, what do you got? I kind of wanted to switch over to talking about the Gray Council because I know that they tried to make it sound like they were presenting Delyn with this huge honor, and she would be ridiculous to 
you know, turn it down or refuse it. But it just felt like a setup to me. It felt like they were setting her up, like they didn't trust her to be on their side, maybe. Or they were trying to test her loyalty to see who she's actually loyal to. Is she loyal to the Mimbari? Or is she actually more loyal to maybe B5, Sinclair, humans, and the whole B5, like, project? So I just kind of want to know, was I the only one who felt like the Grey Council was really questionable and they were pulling some um, underhanded manipulation? (laughs) John's, John's giving you John's giving you a thumb up and a nodding because this is an audio podcast oh. and so he hasn't figured that part out yet. Jump in and step on people's shit, Scott. I talk a lot. I feel like people are gonna hate my voice. But 100 percent because I wrote in my notes because I thought it was odd because they talk about this prophecy, right? And so the previous leader, Ducat, mm-hmm. like they say, like, oh, he's this prophecy, and the Great Council goes with it. They're like, Yep, we're gonna send a land, and she's gonna do this, she's gonna do that. Then while she's not in the room, they go, Oh, by the way, we elected you leader. So now she's the new Ducat. And then she goes, great. Here's what I think still needs to be done. And they go, yeah, fuck that. We're not doing that. And if you want to do that, you're out. It was like, so you, you listen to him, but you won't listen to me. It definitely felt like a setup or it didn't feel any up and up. Right. Cause they were talking about the prophecy and she was like, I feel like the prophecy hasn't been fulfilled. And they're like, eh, it'll happen one way or another. Yeah. They're like, like let's take care of that. What the hell does that mean? Like, right. <laughs> That's not how prophecies. Well, sorry. Did you guys catch too how they said, um, you know, they stopped the war with the humans for this prophecy? Yep. So I guess they kind of answered that why that the the humans didn't, you know, die in the war because they stopped it um, for the specific prophecy, which I thought was kind of interesting because I don't think I've heard that before unless I just missed it, which could be. I mean, I'm a natural blonde, so I might have missed it, but um, I just. I, now thinking about what you guys are saying, I, I kind of agree. Like I didn't catch it when I watched it, but it does seem a little like, yeah, like, oh, we listened to this guy, whatever he said was, was Bible. But then like, when she makes a suggestion, they're like, ah, someone else will deal with it. Like John, you hit the nail on the head right there. I was like, oh, like thinking back, I think you guys might be onto something there with that. And they were talking about all that, like behind her back with her not and I, on some, in some ways, I get that if you're wanting to nominate someone and you don't necessarily want them to know, but it felt like way more than that. Like there was, a, it was actually setting her up to test her loyalty. Well, look how honestly, they- I didn't catch that, but shit, you're right. Like honestly, I thought it was maybe her, like her being, oh my, you know, maybe it was a test of loyalty because, um, like I said earlier, it was maybe like she proved her loyalty by siding with the Babylon Five over over the Mimbari people. But I honestly, I really think that God, you're right. Maybe it was a whole setup. Maybe like like they were they were setting her up to ostracize her. I don't know. Well, look what they said with just the basically the revote or whatever you want to call it. So initially he goes, oh, that's never been done before. And then immediately like, but I guess we can do it if you think. And, then, and it was like, all right, we're going to take a vote as if, you know, you do shit like that when you know you already have the votes, right? So you're like, oh man, I don't know. And they're like, no, let's do it. Okay, cool. Great. See ya. You're out. Um, I, the, the whole thing, I mean, I'm glad you wrote that out because I was like, boy, they, don't get me wrong. I was like, mm, Delenn seems a little shady, but these people were about as shady as it gets. I hate it when you're right, John. I really hate it when you're right. You're not the other one. There's an attack. It makes me question what the Minbari are going to do going forward if they're going to try to maintain some sort of amicable relationship with Babylon 5 or if this is going to be a turning point and the shit's going to hit the fan with them. Well, they've got their own problems, right? With the faith versus military sect. It seems like there's a lot going on with the Minbari and it seems like 
I would assume now we're kind of getting into predictions and stuff. There's a smaller sect that actually probably believes in this prophecy because that's another sci-fi trope we've seen many times if you watch sci-fi oh there's the prophecy the one that was promised or this that and the other and then it's like oh only a small group of people actually believe in it and there's a fraction blah 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 blah. but um, i'll say that because well so i did i think nicole mentioned the human exceptionalism i wrote that down again as a note i was like we're talking about human exceptionalism again the humans are the worst. the earth force alliance is the worst fucking people on this show there's nothing exceptional about them all these dozens and dozens if not hundreds of other species in the universe and she's in love with just just say sinclair don't say humans just one human specifically because most of them have turned out in this universe so far to be kind of shitty <laughs> yep well but honestly you bring up a great point though because there was a previous episode where they talked about there was a lot more uh, tension between the military and the religious sects within the Mimbari culture. Like, and shit's going down on, you know, with with the Mimbari. And I think that maybe this is this is going to kind of gravitate towards, I don't know, maybe call it a Mimbari civil war or call it a power struggle or whatever. But maybe this leads into something greater where you start to see kind of a breakdown of leadership within the Mimbari. This is all cute, how you all just built your own little echo chamber right there. Emily is like, I have this idea. And then it just like did a little tornado around everybody. Hey, but, I am very convincing. I, that's, that's true. That's very true. But honestly, though, but, but honestly, though, it was she said something that honestly, like it just sparked like, oh, shit, she's right. Like, I didn't catch that before. But now when she mentioned it, it made a lot of sense. Blake, would you like to rain on their parade? I would. Enjoy. So, I mean, here's the thing, though. When you look even within historical context at people that say they have a destiny or that they are part of a prophecy, society largely looks at those people like they're batshit crazy. I mean, it's not it's exactly so it's not so much a loyalty test as you're sitting there with a society that has heard this prophecy that at this point has almost become more legend than necessarily, you know, a this is going to happen. And you've got someone saying, I have a role to play in this. I have a destiny in this prophecy. You know, it's not so much a test of loyalty as it's a holy crap, are you one of these crazy people type thing. So, you know, I think that plays in as we get into some of the storyline here and you start thinking about, you know, JMS has said in his own book that he was part of a cult with religious ties and he wove religion pretty strongly into this show, as you'll see with various parts when they talk about prophecy and destiny and different things. And we don't just see, you know, a lot of sci-fi, you see the prophecy and the destiny and the person that plays the savior and their process to realizing it. But you never see a lot of resistance or pushback to that. It's always the story of, you know, the savior coming and doing whatever they're going to do. But when you jump in with this, you actually see how society, how the societies and the cultures react to those individuals as this journey progresses. The other thing I will add to this is I think what may have been lost is not whether whatever the, the intentions of the Grey Council were or not. The whole point of this for me is that they were taking away Delin's uh, ability to make decisions for herself. It was taking away her agency. And I think that was the cusp of the whole story. There was they have decided for her that she's going to be the new leader. And it seems like that's kind of how it happens traditionally. And so the big 
argument or con, um, concern throughout this whole part of the episode is her being able to make decisions for herself. And I can see where you can get to the whole, well, the Grey Council is being, and this is Nicole would say, shady. But I don't think that's the point of this episode. I think the point of the episode is what happens with Delenn's ability to have agency for herself. All I will say is I feel like perhaps you guys are missing the last conversation that Delenn has uh, with the kind of pseudo leader of the great council. Um, I feel like you guys completely glossed over that. So I just want to bring that up because, you know, he, he kind of seemed like uh, he'd be the last one to set her up. So you guys just, I'll leave it there. See, I still don't trust him because that he was the next something thing that she shouldn't have. So I feel like that could be getting her in trouble. Well, and that was the thing I was going to bring up too. I was going to say the guy at the end, it seems like he's her only ally, you know, like out of all the other people on there, they're like, yeah, fuck her. But he was the only one who was her ally and gave her a gift and said, I'm always a friend for you. So I kind of had the opposite like of you, Emily. I was like, oh, maybe she's got the one ally, you know? Um, so it's funny. We had the same revelation at the same time, the complete opposite. <laughs> so, yeah. And let me, let me be clear. When we talk about setup, it's not necessarily, because I mentioned that Blake was that like, what I took out of that in terms of setup was, look, we've had enough of these crazies, even in a world of religious crazies, these guys are even more crazy and they got to go. And by they now it's just seems like it's the Len. But I am glad that Scott brought back up female agency since we talked about it very briefly last episode and had a bit of a different thought about that. Um, whereas this time. I disagree with the different thought part, but go for it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I was because I, I also had that same takeaway in terms of like, oh, we don't even ask people if they want to be leaders. They don't. And then to your point about the agency, like as I mentioned earlier, so they believe the guy and go with what he wants. But she says anything. They go, yeah, we're taking a vote, man. You're out. You got to go, uh, which I thought was, uh, I don't know, shady, shitty. What other S words we can throw on there? Swords for 500. Swords. Sus. Oh, real quick. Big ups. I got the reference. Okay. I got it. Big ups to my man, Gary Baldy. Okay, for back. He rocks yeah. the 90th of fucking sh- shirts possible. His 90s shirt wardrobe is next to none. You almost have to imagine that Jerry Doyle just brings his closet to work and they just pick from his closet. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> it's whatever he wore to set that day. Yeah, he's like, I brought a sweater. Here we go. I feel like we should do a viewing party and all of us wear 90s style Garibaldi shirts. Oh, man, I've got some stripes with collared sh- long sleeve shirts uh, that oof, oof, they need to stay in the 90s. No, no, I agree with Nicole. I think we should. <laughs> I gotta go shopping now. Hey, man. I mean, are we gonna talk about the time travel or not? Go, John. Talk time travel. 10 to 15. Well, so, okay. So, as uh, I watched Jesse immediately go to sleep, for non sci fi people, it might not be as interesting. But I mean, the time travel is not just even a sci fi trope, it's a huge trope. But one of the things that I both love and hate about it is just how into the weeds you can get and all the different rules and, and, um, I super loved Marvel was just was basically like, now nah, we're just going to yada yada that part, man. Just go with it. It's just time travel. Just fucking deal with it. Um, so I am curious. It might be one of my questions about, you know, just how deep does JMS get into the time travel aspect? And I assume when you talk about cards that some of it will be addressed, but I wonder if they address any themes that come out of some of these paradoxes. So one of the ones that always interests me, and I think was appropriate to this show was Newcomb's par- paradox, excuse me, 
you know, it's basically, and I, we'll say basically, right? Like we don't have to give an hour on what it is and how it works out, blah, 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 but boils down to a free will versus predetermination, right? So if you are a time traveler, so in this case, Sinclair, right, going back and forcing himself to do something makes you question, okay, did he ever really have free will or is this all predetermination? Which is something, since you talked about JMS's love of religion, also, I love always talking about with religion because that's something they talk about in Christianity a lot, right? Do you have free will and you make your own choices or do you have predetermination based on God's plan? Blah, 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 blah. So we don't have to dive into it. Um, so, oh, here we are. Yes. I'm going to jump into one part of it. You know, you mentioned time travel and if JMS gets into it. And, and this part I will go to from some of the comments he's made is he, he uses time travel pretty much in one specific instance in the show. So it's not going to be massively explored. You know, it's not going to be like a, uh, let's get Jesse ready to uh, flip me off here. It, it's not going to be a Star Trek four, one with the whales where you go slingshot around the sun and, you know, do whatever the hell you want type thing. There's, he has a specific creative reason for it and it plays into a very specific storyline. So, How's that, Scott? <laughs> That's a way to walk that line, sir. Good job. Good job. So we're not. So we don't care about any of that stuff. We don't care about free will versus determination. No, I think it absolutely is a conversation. Well, my my issue with uh, Kevin Blake and I is if we tell you, uh, we kind of mentioned this already. I think before we started recording, there's really about three specific types of time travel. Usually, there's some offshoots, but really what it comes down to is what you're talking about: predetermination, closed loop time travel, where it's always happened, it always will happen, and it'll happen again. Then you have the divergent time travel, which is basically Back to the Future Part 2, where if you go back and change something, it changes what happens in the future, and then you can fix it, but until then, you're on the divergent timeline. And then the third one is the multi-universe timeline, which is basically what MCU Marvel's doing, and that is, and also the latest Star Trek films, which is we just create a whole new universe when we change the time travel, because you really can't change time. The thing is, I can't discuss with you which one of those we're dealing with here because that's going to tell you what happens next because we haven't had that answer of what the rule is. I will say that JMS, as Blake has mentioned, has the rules set out at this point. He knows what he's doing with this. But until you guys see the flip side of it, and you will, because JMS back in 94 said on the Usenets, you will see the flip side of this episode down the road. That will answer your question on what kind of time travel we're dealing with. You're just not there yet. Well, but I will talk about that beyond the rim, 100%. <laughs> well, that's the biggest bummer because uh, time travel is one of my favorite tropes in anything and is, I think... Well, I will say, John, hold it until we get to a certain episode where we see the flip side of this. And it's going to happen. It's you know not going to happen right away. But when we get to that episode, oh, we're going to talk time travel a lot. What do I got to wait till season four? Two years from now? I'm not going to answer that. Lame. But I will say the uh, what I what I do not like is when a show doesn't define its rules for time travel. That annoys the crap out. I mean, I will. I'm I'm a Star Trek fan. Star Trek does not define its rules for time travel. Blake, you mentioned Slingshot Around the Sun. That one was uh, we can change the future and we can change the past. But then we also have times like um, um, uh, what's the one where they go back and meet Mark Twain? I'm blanking on the name of it. Past tense? No, not past tense. That time's was the time's arrow. Time's arrow. Thank you. Time's arrow. Closed loop. Time travel. Okay. It happened and it's going to happen again. Data's head's going to sit there in the cave for a while. But then we have in Star Trek 2009, a whole new universe opens up. So, I mean, sometimes they define their uh, time travel rules and sometimes they don't. There is a really good movie I would recommend. 
and it's on Amazon Prime. It was actually made by a college student. Andrew, you'll, Andrew, you'll appreciate this. It was a college project. It's the history of time travel. It's on Amazon Prime. It was a college movie project. John, I think you'd appreciate it. I'm not going to say any more about it because it's one of those movies that would make Jesse's head uh, brain melt. So just watch it and enjoy it. The history of time travel. It's on Amazon Prime. Did you see everything everywhere all at once? Yes. Yes. I'll go <laughs> check it out. That sounds awesome. Mm. Yeah. The history of time travel. It's a, a fun little college project that is one of the best time travel movies you will ever see. Anybody now, else have anything? Now we go to Jesse with her thoughts on time travel. Jesse. I have no fucking thoughts on time travel. <laughs> we love you. Did anyone notice in one of the Delenn scenes, I think she was on her ship, that her ears looked way off. <laughs> like it was bad like what was the makeup artist doing i told you about the one time where her bone was hanging off her head in yeah. the other episode i really think it comes down to when these shows were made they were made in sta- for standard def and they're like yeah we'll wing it <laughs> and now when we have 4k <laughs> and we can see everything uh, i mean it was like it was like stephen but, colbert come to life on uh, on Bi- babylon <laughs> andrew uh that, that did have remind me of a question that i've had for like kind of keeping to myself though uh how did uh like the minbari actors and actresses like like how did they hear like with that makeup i've wondered that too because their ear because because they're like actual because their minbari ears are like on their neck i'm assuming they probably have little pinholes in the makeup but i don't know oh okay that makes sense anybody else have anything about anything or everything all at once john i got a lot of questions okay let's do it Let's 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 move yeah, into questions here. predictions because I think that's the entire episode. So we'll go to Emily first. Questions predictions about <laughs> Babylon Squared. Okay, my one question, and surprisingly, I only have one. Is uh, so when did Sinclair decide he was cool with being married to Delin? I mean, if they're in the future together, I'm assuming they're together. So when did he kind of figure out she married him without him knowing and he said well okay then sometimes you just gotta get on that bus exactly (laughs) justin question predictions a couple of my questions going forward is how much does babylon 4 play into the future of the series and then do we see anything from zathras's people Again, like I want to, it's a, it's a species that we've never encountered before. So I kind of want to know what their role in the, in the universe is. So those are the two major questions I had, but honestly, in terms of predictions, um, I know a long time ago, I've been talking about a major war that I kind of had a feeling was coming and I really feel like it's right on the horizon. John. Uh, yes, I have lots of questions. So, uh, what I will say is as I asked them, Please stop me if it has an answer. For instance, this very first yeah. not very meaningful. It's uh, one of the uh, nine had gray eyes. Was he blind? I believe so. I don't think it's ever kind of like mentioned, but because we've seen uh, we've seen him before, I believe too, and he had gray eyes as well. So I think he is just blind. Okay, um, I'll stay with that then. So did they just not have enough money to hire other actors? They have nine people there, and only three of them take off their hoods and say some shit. <laughs> Hey man, we've already discussed the budget's really low on this show. <laughs> you don't have to pay for a co-star. You don't have to pay for a co-star. <laughs> Let's stay with the budget then, because my other question is, uh, because okay, I get it's '90s CGI, but what are the guns actually firing? Since there doesn't seem to be any damage when they hit shit, unless it hits your shoulder, in which case you immediately die. 
Yeah, we, we, we kind of mentioned that already. They're called PPGs, and also the, the rifles work on the same technology. Because you're inside of a space station, you probably don't want a bullet busting through the hull and causing uh, air to leak out. So they are heat-based. So they shoot a, per, a non-projectile that is, again, heat-based. So when it hits you, it's very, very hot, and it burns you and cauterizes the wound. So when you hit metal, it's just going to hit the metal it's not going to cause any damage so kind of like a lightsaber but in a, in a, in a except it makes sense kevin yeah, it, it makes fucking sense. makes sense it has a kyber crystal and i paid disney 20 dollars for a kyber crystal it's great and i'm just trolling scott because he's a hater because he hates nice I, things i didn't i didn't i never said i hated star wars i said it's not my cup of tea oh you hate star wars i will say it's not sci-fi it's fantasy and i stand behind that and it's fantasy again you, you're wrong every time you say that. And you know I hate no, it when I, I have to I, agree with I love Scott. That. It's not science. It's fantasy and bullshit. It's based on Seven Samurai and stuff like that. My fucking God, I need uh, a buzzer. Uh, I'm going to get a buzzer. You need to talk to Jeff about his buzzer. You fucking guys, like, don't, let's not talk about dicks. And let's not go on <laughs> tangents, but every fucking time. Oh, I'm crabby and I need to go to bed. Let's fucking keep moving. Jesse just killed her internet with her rant. <laughs> it was great. That one was Kevin's fault. Andrew, you were going to say something to piss off Jesse? Go for it. Uh, no, I was going to Well, first of all, uh, I love Star Wars, but yes, it's not sci-fi. Thank you. Also, uh, also Star Wars uh, was based on The Hidden Fortress. That's true. Another Akira Kurosawa film. Not The Seven yeah. Summer. You're right. I apologize. It was definitely from Kurosawa, but yes, I, I, I stand corrected. Okay, I'll jump back into my questions. I love you, Jesse. Fucking love you, Jesse. The flashback slash flash forward. The yes. we didn't even talk about those. Go for it. Yeah. So the scene, the first one. Well, I didn't care about the second one. Again, I'm just gonna say it. Stop trying to make me care about Garibaldi and this chick who we never met before, but apparently is loved his life while he's trying to slam ass all throughout the station. <laughs> the first one, however, okay, with Garibaldi and Sinclair. Is this going to be beyond? The, are they going to address whether that was a flashback or flash forward? Was it from Mars? Was it something that hasn't happened yet? I will. Uh, I'll say again. JMS doesn't ask. Make you ask questions. He doesn't answer. Okay, so that was a long way of saying go fuck myself. You'll talk about it beyond the rim, and then in season like again, go fuck myself three. I might get that answer, or I will get that answer. Go fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> all right um okay here's one since we talked about Minbari anatomy. I have. Is there any rhyme or reason for the different Minbari bones? Yes. Uh, I think you're going to find that depending on what cast they are, they're going to have different uh, bone structure. So when you see like the more rigid, also the females have more, you know, less defined bone structure. But of the males, when you see like the more craggy looking, pointed, jagged looking, those are warrior cast usually. Uh, but then you also have religious casts, which is Lanier. And if you look at Lanier's structure, he doesn't have like the pointed kind of sharp edges and then you have the worker cast which we haven't really even seen yet but there is a worker cast as well blake do you want to add anything to that kevin i've never talked about how horribly painful childbirth would be for the monmari people they come out feet first you're fine Oh, okay. I don't know. It's really a soft bone anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like children. They, they're they all made of rubber. They bounce. Uh, it might be the last question and lead into some predictions. I've already given some predictions, so maybe I'll leave that up. But um, so multiple people seem to know Sinclair's destiny, right? So Delenn clearly knows or thinks she knows she has some prophecy. Zathras says you have a destiny. Also says, yeah, right. So they know. So 
I don't know if they'll address it. Do they not tell him because it's one of those, if I tell him it won't come true situations? Like if I tell you, you're going to get hit by a car tomorrow, will it inevitably change your destiny because you'll now avoid the street for tomorrow? Well, I think, I mean, as much as you want to talk time travel, we can talk the observer issue. Oh, Jesse, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we can Have talk you about. Have fucking seen the butterfly effect? Yeah. Fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, but also, but also, But also think about Endgame where Tony Stark asks Doctor Strange, That's is this the one in 100 million that you're talking about and he says if i tell you it yeah. won't happen even I mean, it, that's the whole observer effect in science even if something knows you're observing it it's going to change how it interacts with the world whether you want it to or not so even just knowing that somebody thinks something's going to happen you're going to another good example is uh strange new worlds captain pike the the entire first season of strange new worlds is captain pike having to live with the fact that he knows in 10 some odd years he's going to either die or be severely disabled and he's going through the entire series going how do i interact with every single situation i have because i know i'm going to be immortal for 10 years because i'm not going to die for 10 years but does that put me put other people at risk because i don't care so i mean that's the whole observer effect in in play there too right so my question was is that going plot point that they will discuss as multiple people now have told Sinclair basically your Neo in this universe because we haven't had Neo yet uh, and is that going to be you know is it going to impact them how many times do people have to tell you you're special before you start changing the way you behave although to Jesse's point every time some dangerous shit comes up he's always like yeah I'll take care of it why not well I think we've already seen it I mean he has said after uh, Sky Full of Stars I have to find out what happened and he's got Garibaldi looking into it and trying to figure out what happened. So I think he already is trying to figure out what that destiny is. I also agree with Justin. I mean, they flat out said now, like a great war is coming. Um, and so, uh, you know, the Mimbari, this part where we see the fracture in the, even the religious sect, I think, and hope that will be explored more. Um, now that Delenn's an outsider or has outsider status, I'd be interested to see how that affects not only her moving forward, but you would assume since she's the ambassador for the Mimbari people to Babylon 5, I guess she gets to keep that title. She's still the ambassador, even though her whole reason of being there and the people that put her there have now ostracized her. So, I mean, I hope we'll get to see some of that, but well, I have a tangentially related question to, I think Justin and uh-huh. it's about B4. So my question is more specific in that Zathras said that B4 was like the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the key to being there. So more specifically, it makes me think we definitely will see B4 again. So my question is, we'll see it but why is it so important and why is before so important and not b5 that sinclair is currently on which does not spell good things for me and for b5's future that is a good question that i'm sure blake and uh kevin and i will discuss as soon as you leave yeah that sounds about right (laughs) jesse would you like to add your questions and predictions to the mess no i have none hey john asked all of them for me don't watch a sci-fi show if you don't want some sci-fi shit. Just- Listen, mother ever, it's not that I don't want sci-fi shit. I'm on episode 20, okay? Episode 20 of a show that I swear to God, after four, I wasn't ever going to watch again. So I'm doing just fine. Thank you. And I think I think it's important to point out that even though Jesse is not like getting into the whole question and prediction thing, she started by saying she enjoyed this episode. I did, and I, I just don't enjoy John today. You and most of our fan base, so it's fine. We should start an anti-fan club. Dude, I, I, you know, I, 
I enjoyed the episode and I enjoy, I enjoy all of this, but it's, it's time traveled last night. I lost a fucking hour and now I'm crabby and tired. So. <laughs> it's true. We are recording this on daylight savings time day. So we all lost an hour while watching a time travel episode. No, we fell back. We gained one. Oh, oh whatever. I don't know. We, can we just all agree that ever since, one, can we all agree that since our tractors got headlights, this is all bullshit and we don't need this anymore. Can we all agree that? Yeah, yeah because it's, it's almost 1 a.m. It's almost 1 a.m. for me in normal time. So, Andrew, questions, predictions. All right. Uh, so, Delenn, um, no, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I, I've completely lost what my question. It had to do with Delenn. Come back to me. Okay, great. Nicole, questions, predictions. What is a true luminary and what is its significance? Um, will we see Babylon 4 and the 1 again? Uh Will them choosing a different leader for the Grey Council cause issues for Delenn going forward? Um, where did the B4 crew go? I know they were evacuated, but where did they go? Um, and then also, what year on Earth years is 4993? I need to know, which will be a thousand years before I find out. Um, and then uh, Zathra said that Sinclair, well, he said the one is the one who leads us. We live for the one, we die for the one. So obviously we found out that that was Sinclair. So is Sinclair like the leader of like the revolution to save the world and the big war that's coming up? Or is he like the main guy who's like leading the charge? Is he the one who commanded Babylon 4 uh, to make that his ship? Um, what's that significance there? Also, the fact that they referenced um, the Flying Dutchman and also the guy who was talking to Delenn at the end, I forget his name, who gave her the preliminary. He said, uh, we're surrounded by signs and portents. Um, so is that going to have some sort of significance or was it just, you know, JMS like fucking with us? Like, we're going to throw that in again. Um, so those are all the questions that I had. Um, as far as predictions, I agree with Justin and John, I think there's definitely a big war coming. Obviously, we saw the, I'm assuming it's a flash forward um, with Garibaldi and Sinclair fighting. Um, and clearly, they even said there's going to be a war. So that's why they commandeered the ship. Um, so, uh, and I also think that, you know, to go along with my question about Delenn, um, stepping down as the leader of the great council um you know if that's going to cause problems i think there's definitely going to be maybe some tension with the mimbari um and their force or just babylon 5 in general um so those are my predictions nicole i will say one thing to one of your questions is you've seen the triluminary before really it was used on sinclair in a sky full of stars oh shit okay remember she held it up to him and it glowed that's right that's right that's right okay yeah i had one question answered no kind of a little bit about 25 percent <laughs> andrew would you like to add questions and predictions for babylon squared oh well nicole kind of asked the question like as she was asking it i remembered that yeah that that's that was my question about Delenn, uh like is this going to cause problems with her and the gray council I guess I'll, for my question, I'll just say uh, I'll, I'll ask that guy who kind of appeared to be on her side that whole time. Was that all kind of a front? Like, is he going to betray her at some point? Any predictions? The preliminary the, uh, that now I, I guess Delenn has. Uh, my prediction is she's going to be framed as like maybe she stole it in retaliation for being voted off the council. You guys have all watched a lot of Big Brother. Got voted off and get framed for it and all that good stuff. Okay. Not one. Not once. 
Does that once? Thank you, Andrew. Big That's brother, one that I ones. actually watch. So <laughs> here we are. So we'll go ahead and end it there with our newbies up until next week when we talk about legacies. So we have two episodes left in season one. We have legacies and chrysalis. So we are barreling towards the end of the season and the start of season two. So again, on December 11th, we will have our season one live recap. So if you want to watch us live, do this crazy stuff and be involved in the conversation, make sure you go to YouTube and click that notify button. So, you know, when we do go live with that season one recap, also make sure you subscribe and hit the bell icon because we do a lot of live stuff. So until next week, when we talk about legacies, I am Scott and with me as always has been. I'm Justin. Blake. Emily. Kevin. The upchuckle nugget himself. Jesse. Nicole. And Andrew. Okay. Are we done now? Are we good? No, Jesse still wants to chat and talk some shit. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, I, you better come with a better attitude next time, sir. I, I actually think this was John's today. best night. He had a yeah, decent attitude. He was fine. He wasn't a dick at all. <laughs> yeah, of the two of us, I'm the one that was the problem. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Jesse actually defend to John. Tonight. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. For those who are new to us, this is going to be a spoiler section. So please, if you have not watched past Babylon Squared, or you just don't remember what happens after Babylon Squared, you may want to step away now because we are definitely going to be talking a lot about the future seasons of Babylon 5 because, as John alluded to, Babylon 4 is the linchpin of the show. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of what comes next. So uh, we'll go ahead and dive right into it with Kevin and Blake. Kevin, what was our first question we had from the folks? John asked, how deep does JMS go into time travel? Do they address any of the themes that come out of time travel? Well, and Blake, I think you kind of hit on this already with the fact that he's only going to deal with time travel one time. We're just seeing one part of two parts of it, but you want to add anything else to that? Well, I mean, it even goes so far as to we don't see any of the races have time travel technology. Um, the only what makes it all possible is we'll see. And we kind of discussed, I think, briefly uh, in the two parter that we just did. But uh, the great machine is what makes it possible for Babylon 5 or Babylon 4 to, tra- uh, to travel through time anyway. And I think you could argue that is one of the purposes of the great machine on Epsilon was to facilitate mm-hmm. uh, the moving of Babylon 4 through time. So, and we don't, so I'd assume it comes from Vorlon technology, but other than that, we don't see any of the other races have anything near time travel technology. 
Delenn mentions in World War Without End that the Membari have the ability, but they can't do it with something so far away, I think is how she puts it. So the Membari kind of know how to do it, but not well. But yeah, I, I love the fact that these guys don't have that connection yet, that Zathras works on Epsilon 3. Well, several Zathrai do work on Epsilon 3. And that this is Drawl making this all happen. So I'm looking forward to two years from now, uh, story-wise, when we can see the flip side of this and have that all happen. Though To John's point about the types of time travel, we definitely are dealing with a closed-loop time travel scenario here. And I think that's what's kind of fun with this whole thing when you go back and watch it again is Sinclair is going to take Babylon 4 a thousand years into the past. He's going to become Valen. He's going to create the Great Council. So he gives the Great, Coun- the Great Council the Triluminary, uh, which comes from Epsilon 3. The Chrysalis Machine comes from Epsilon 3, and it's taken back by Sinclair to use when he becomes Valen, and then again will be used by Delenn. Uh, a thousand years later, uh, everything is a closed loop. It has happened before and it'll happen again. The same, that's why, uh, Sinclair mentions in War Without End that it's already happened. And so it's going to happen again when they try to say that he doesn't have to be the one that goes back. He is already back. Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate that JMS is very solid in his rules on what the time travel is going to be. Well, I think the episode actually answered John's question. I just don't think he caught the answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is at the very end, Sinclair says, I tried to warn them, but it all happened just yes. the way I remembered. John's course, answer was in the episode. He just missed it. You're right. And of course, what he was trying to do there was warn Garibaldi to watch his back, mm-hmm. which everyone's telling Garibaldi to watch his back. <laughs> yep. And Garibaldi doesn't watch his back. The other thing, too, that I think we need to hit on a little bit here, and I do intend to hit on this more in a bonus episode once we get past season one, is what the original intention was for Babylon 4, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what the intention was once Michael O'Hara was known to leave the show. I think at this point, uh, while they're producing it, they know that this is going to go a different way. But originally, the plan was that Babylon 4 would be moved into the future to replace Babylon 5. To, to, so to John's other question, what happens when you have two Babylon stations together? There was never an intent to have them both at the same place because what happened was the Mimbari destroy Babylon 5 and then they bring Babylon 4, now called Babylon Prime, into the future to act as a staging area. And because it is a movable spaceship, the second series that was planned would have been them basically gavelanding around the galaxy in Babylon 4 trying to fix things. Did you mean to say the shadows destroy Babylon 5? No, in the original plan. Or was it the Mimbari? Yeah, I was, I was reading through the memo. Okay. Yeah, in the original plan, it's the Mimbari that uh, because of the shadows doing weird stuff and messing around with people and everything else, there is a fight between the Membari and Earth Alliance, and they destroy Babylon 5. We'll get into that more uh, on that bonus episode, because I'm looking forward to kind of relaying all that memo stuff to you guys and get your feedback on what that original plan looked like. But yeah, so the originally the Babylon 4 was supposed to go forward. So when you hear Zathras talking about a great war, Originally, the Great War was going to be something we were going to see in the show. But then when Michael O'Hare left the show, it turned into the past Great War, and they sent it into the past. So, yeah. But we'll get into more detail on that after we get past season one. Because there's a lot to talk about. Real quick, I wanted to bring up uh, Zathras from this episode. I thought it was 
really funny how they didn't find the device on him. So he's in an interrogation room and not mm-hmm. only does he escape out of there, which is another whole thing, but the fact that they wouldn't search him and find, you know, a time device on him, I found kind of hard to believe. But for me, that goes to, we're not dealing with a regular crew here. We're dealing with a construction crew. Yeah. They're, they're core of engineers. Okay. Yeah, that's is, fair. That's fair. I mean, these people are basically there to, you know, screw in the light bulbs and make sure the paint's dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing that we will see, and I, I could go into all of the, in, the inconsistencies between Babylon squared and war without end, <clears throat> but the one that does kind of like, I wish JMS could have figured out how to pull it off is the major who's in charge of the station says that Zathras just appeared out of nowhere in a conference room. But when we see what actually happened, Zathras is Zathras is going through a toolbox <laughs> trying to find the right tool to fix the time device. And that's when he gets caught. But, you know, I mean, for writing this two years in between each other, I think he ties up most of the loose ends mm-hmm. really well. But there are a couple places where Babylon squared and war without end don't line up a hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the the whole aspect of why the Mimbari stopped the war. Because in this episode, they talk about that there was a prophecy. But then later in the series, they talk about that it's the rebirth of Minbari souls. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like JMS didn't have that all completely flushed out at this point. And mm, well, he had of, two different stories. Yeah, well, okay, right. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to before Michael O'Hare leaves and after Michael O'Hare leaves, because originally the plan was as much as we these guys were complaining about how it's always the human who's the most powerful and the chosen one. Sinclair was a chosen one. His whole point was he was going to merge with Delin and well, not merge, but, you know, breed with Delin, a new species of Minbari human hybrid. And that's how they were going to keep the species going. But when Michael O'Hare leaves, we turn into the storyline of Valen, which is a completely different approach, but it still makes the prophecy make sense. I think the other way makes more sense, though, because why would they enter into a war at all to begin with if there was a prophecy out there that said that the, the humans were important? But it does. I don't think it was the humans were important. I think it was. They didn't know what species was important at that point. Oh, well, no, because they explained this in in the beginning Mm -hmm. uh, with because on the Mimbari ship that has the great council chamber in Dukat's uh, meditation chamber, quarters, whatever area it was, he had the two Vorlons there that no one else knew about. Mm -hmm. And the Vorlons told him that the humans would be important. And he did pass that on to the Lynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the That's humans right. were going to be important in the war to come. Now, again, they kind of retcon that after the story changed, but they made it fit within the beginning. And in fact, that was the whole thing when Sheridan got captured trying to negotiate pieces to get out of it. His answer was, I know what's in Ducat's secret room. Yep. And, Truth. you know, answered. So, but I think that gets back to there were very few people that knew what the full prophecy was mm-hmm. and they didn't all believe it. Mm-hmm. Even, um, yeah, even he talks about council. that in Legacies that mm-hmm. they told him when he gets onto the the council what the real reason was they stopped the war, and he was like, "I don't know whether to laugh or cry when they told me the answer to that." Mm-hmm. Well, and even Delin didn't really believe it, especially when she goes into shock after Dukat gets killed, and she just says, "Kill them all." <laughs> No mercy is what she says. No mercy. John makes a prediction there is another small sect that believes in the prophecy since Delenn is now an outsider. 
they'll have some effects for the future. Yeah, I, absolutely. We're we're seeing uh, Kevin mentioned it too. We are seeing the beginnings of a Minbari civil war. We have an Earth Civil War and a Mimbari Civil War in this series before it's all said and done. Justin, uh, how much does B4 play into the future of the series? Uh, Again, quite a bit. Not as much as it would have if we had gone with the original plan of Babylon Prime, but it definitely plays an important part when we get to it again. Uh, And how important is the species that Zathras belongs to? Very important. Zathras is always important. Zathras is the most important. (laughs) Much apologizings. Yeah, I freaking love Zathras. Yeah, he's he's good, and and but not that other guy named Zathras. I only like the other the one named Zathras. So, well, it, and I I didn't really get into it in the the other section, but I really enjoy the acting in this episode by Tim Chote. But I thought the other the other guest star, major guest star in this, was really not good at all. Which one are you referring to? The major. The major. I mean, he uh, yeah, scenery. He didn't have much to play with. I think he does better in War Without End because he's got more to do. Yeah. But yeah. The one thing, because I think uh, a lot of the rest of this is going to get into the Delenn stuff. The one thing I want to hit on before we get into the Grey Council more, I love that they all are so adamant that it's Sinclair who's in that suit the whole time. And I love how they're, oh, it's so obvious that it's Sinclair in that suit. It's not Sinclair in that suit at that time. Mm-hmm. Sinclair is in a suit, but not that one. Not That's that Delenn. Yeah. Yeah, because what happens is uh, first Sheridan is put in the suit because he's having problems bouncing through time. And then Delenn gives uh, Sheridan her stable time, whatever, doohickey. And then she hops into it the suit and that's her who touches Sinclair and knocks him across the room. So it's going to be a kind of little fun, like, Oh, it wasn't Sinclair. When we get to that point, we're going to have to make these guys watch Babylon squared again mm-hmm. before they watch war without end. I like that idea. I think we should do a, a live show with that. Just a, a, a watch of Babylon squared. Mm-hmm. I like that because mm-hmm. then they wouldn't be the first time. So we don't have to worry about them being confused. I like that just a reminder viewing. But the other thing too, is they were so adamant uh, about what they were seeing in terms of the time travel portion and where they think before is going. They're wrong. None of them said before was going into the past and which is where it is going. Um, and I just, I, I love that. Yes. It's tropey. Yes. At the end of the day, the one, at least one of the ones is Sinclair. They are right there. However, they're making a lot of assumptions because JMS wants them to make a lot of assumptions and they're wrong. And I like that. Because <laughs> yeah, there's the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be. Yes. Everything in threes. Mm-hmm. Threes. Which I was, I think I actually misspoke on one of our first episodes because I think I said that Sinclair is the one who is and Dylan's the one who will be. And I was wrong. It's Dylan is the one who is. Shared, I mean, yeah, Sheridan is the one who will be, and Sinclair right. is the one who was. So Nicole asks, what is the triluminary and what is its significance? It is the MacGuffin, Nicole. <laughs> it will tell you when you have Minbari DNA in you, as we saw. It will also help you change your body. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it was created on Epsilon 3, because everything circles back to Epsilon 3 sooner or later. <laughs> 
because we will actually see that the Triluminary, the first time we see the Triluminary, quote unquote, first time, is when Zathras brings it to Babylon 4 to send it back with Sinclair slash Valen in War Without End, and then it follows on its merry way to Delenn a thousand years later. Again, closed loop timeline. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm, Will we see the one again? You will see the one, and you will see the one. And you will also see see the the one. one. Yes, you will see all the ones. Where did the B5, the B4 crew go? Well, you know, I mean. I'm thinking of vacation to Cabo after this. Absolutely. Well, Jinxo, we know Jinxo stayed on Babylon 5. Yeah. (laughs) The rest of them, I think they were probably going to take a little bit of R&R after all that. The other thing, I don't think anyone mentioned their questions, predictions, but John did say uh, he was interested to see why the one guy who hit the the temporal anomaly first aged but garibaldi and sinclair didn't they actually do and we get that that's why sinclair looks as old as he does is because when he goes through for a second time and it speeds up his his aging process and that's why he doesn't allow garibaldi to join them the second time around because he's afraid it's going to happen to him too so yeah it's it's not as absurd as the guy who dies in a few minutes but it absolutely does affect your your longevity if you go through that time displacement field Along with that, um, Nicole had asked what year Zathras was referring to. And we, of course, we know it's 2260. It's two years in the future is what we're seeing. The only reason why Sinclair looks like he's much older is because, again, that temporal wake got him. Oh, oh I also, this is not listed on our list of stuff we wrote down, but I did like, I, I don't know if it was Nicole or not, I think it was, who asked if Sinclair is some sort of leader of the revolution. Oh. Well, he is the, he is the leader of the Endless Shock. He is Ranger One, so kinda, yeah. <laughs> and he basically creates Mimbari society as we see it in the show. Yes, he does. Once he goes back and becomes Valen. I mean, he's the one that sets up the Great Council, he's the one that sets the prophecy Mm -hmm. and i do like again we'll talk about this more when we get to war without end even sinclair says this is as far as i know things are going to happen after this you're on your own because i can only tell you until i'm here as soon as i go back in the past you're on your own so again i love the fact that we've kind of we have a little bit of that prophecy slash we know where this is going, but after we get past War Without End in season three, our our main protagonists are on their own. They have no more info from Sinclair. Emily, the whole Delenn and Sinclair married thing, not the case. They did not get married. But she's not wrong, because when that episode was filmed, the whole intention was that Delenn and Sinclair would get together. So she's reading it right. It's just the storyline changed. We think so at this point, they knew that was going to change. But not when they filmed Parliament of Dreams, which is what she's referring to. Because when was Parliament of Dreams? When was the production order on that sucker? I'm looking. Please hold. Parliament of Dreams was filmed eighth. I don't think they knew. I think at that point we were still Sinclair is the going to meld the species at that point. So I think Emily is 100% right. JMS just, you know, changed it. So what do you guys make of Emily's take on it that the Great Council set up to Len? BS. I, yeah, I don't. Because we, 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 we know would, that's not the case. I, right. But I thought it was a really interesting take. And I, I never would have thought of it, but I think mm-hmm. I thought it was a really fascinating take. Well, and that's what I really, truly love about having the newbies on this is we're getting, because we know what happens. So we can't right. make these assumptions. And if we right. did, I can't remember what my assumptions were back in the day. So I'm loving 
seeing stuff that I didn't think about or I would never think about. But yeah. So, I mean, it is absolutely, I did love the fact, and Emily made a joke about this to me on the side. Um, if she ever needs to start a cult, she's going to go with these guys first because she can get them to believe anything if she just talks a little bit longer. Because <laughs> she had them all on board within a few minutes of that. But no, I think it's just the, the Minbari are slaves to tradition. Mm-hmm. And so the tradition is the leader gets chosen and the leader steps in and you're in charge and that's how it's going to go. And they've never had somebody like Delind who decided that she wanted to take a different path. So I don't think it was ever set up. Now there will be setups later. <laughs> Delin's going to get set up a lot, especially by the warrior cast, but that ain't happening yet. Yeah. To, well, to Emily's point of view, when did uh, she, Sinclair get okay with being married to Delin? I'm looking forward to her specifically seeing the flip side of that scene where we find out that Delin is just caring for her old friend more so than anything else. And of course they do know, and it's, it's, it's impossible to keep this spoiler from being spoiled, but they do know that Delin's going to look different. Of course, back in the day, that wasn't the case. So when you didn't see Delin's face, you didn't know why, but they all know why, but that won't be a problem in two episodes or four episodes, I guess. I'm going to make it without lying to them. I'm going to try to make them believe that Michael O'Hare is not coming back at all. So when he does come back and we're without end, I think it'll be a surprise. Same way is um, when Ivana, when Claudia Christian leaves the show, I don't want them to know that she's going to come back, even though, yes, Meta, she didn't come back. It was the episode was filmed before she left while blah, blah, blah. But I, I want them to be surprised when she shows up for Sleeping in the Light, too. Uh, Andrew, question. The great counselor leader that appeared to be on Delin's side, will he betray her? No. I think he really, truly believes that Delin's right, because much like John said, there are people who believe in the prophecy and people who don't. And this is one of those guys who thinks Delin is right. So he's trying to back her up. There's going to be other members of the Great Council who do not believe Delin is right. You mentioned Nerun. We'll see him soon. Again, Nerun's arc in this show is great as well, too. I freaking love Nerun. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing him for the first time next week. Um, Vickery is phenomenal actor. Well, hopefully he answers my emails. Uh, let's see prediction the triluminary uh she'll be framed for stealing it no no but it will come back to haunt her in atonement everything that she's done all the decisions that she makes will come back much like sinclair had in eyes when we get to atonement delin will have to deal with the same kind of stuff because mm-hmm. her decisions have consequences because this is not star trek decisions have consequences uh the other thing i want to bring up why uh jms didn't have the cast system with the minbari figured out to where there were only two casts early in the season yeah um that's that's a pretty big gaffe i don't i mean here's the thing i I get where you're coming from on that i i I understand what you mean by gaffe but it's not i mean you you, we we're expecting this showrunner to have everything mapped out and he will be the first to say he had most of it mapped out but things change yeah you i mean it's one thing to say something in season one and then get it wrong in season three it's another thing to say to retcon something in season three that you never even said in season one mm-hmm. so i mean i mean i just like i guess i'm just defending him more at that yeah, point. and I'm, I'm the first one to defend him on the the war without end you know some of the some of the issues because it's pretty clear that he had a different vision that didn't end up coming because of forces he couldn't control mm-hmm. but i still i still stand by the fact that 
the the story is wonderful the way that it ended up Mm -hmm. i actually think uh and again we'll go over the entire original plan because i have a copy of it that one of our uh listeners sent to me we'll go over it in a bonus episode and have you guys hash it out with me but honestly i like the way it turned out better Uh, one of the reasons because i'm a big sheridan fan but Mm -hmm. i like how it turned out better in uh the second rendition rather than the way it was supposed to go for one I don't think any way in hell JMS would have got 10 years. So his whole Babylon prime thing would have not worked. And therefore you would have found yourself at a major cliffhanger at the end of the series with no, no follow-up and no idea of what actually came of those characters. And that would have been a problem. I think they would have hurt the show a lot if that happened. This was a hard episode not to comment on during the main discussion, because I mean, there's nothing we really could have said that wouldn't spoil something. This is just one of those that's, we're so convinced that you know delenn had been set up and it was like well did you did you even see the the scene with her friend at the end where he was you know supporting her pretty well yeah but even at that point they said well maybe he was messing around with her yeah true so i think as we've seen in uh interactions with people uh watching subjective television when somebody gets an idea in their head, they it's hard to get them to change that idea or to see other reasons why it may not be the case. I think some of that too, and even in as has been said multiple times, no one in this show is what they seem or how they seem. Mm-hmm. You know, JMS set this show up to make you ask questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and I, I know I've I've beat this horse to death, but I still appreciate the fact that he he set this up for you to ask questions, but he's actually going to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. I hate. The J.J. Abrams, and he's there's more than that to him, but I hate the mystery box. I hate it. So the fact that we actually get answers in this show mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I think this show has lasted as long as it has, because you get a satisfactory conclusion. They're not going to wind up in limbo at the end in a church. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. going to get conclusions. You mean someone's not going to uh, wake up in the shower like three years later and the whole season didn't happen? Oh. <laughs> We're just going to Dallas this shit. And yeah. three <laughs> Ironically, Claudia Christian's first acting role was on Dallas. So. Oh, it's funny. Tracy Scoogins was also on Dallas. Right. Yes, yes. Although she became famous for being on the Colbys after uh, Dynasty was over. That that was her main claim. I, I will stand behind it. I think Lockley's a great character. I'm looking forward to season five. I, I don't think she's better than Ivanova, but I think Lockley's a good character. Yeah, no, she is. She is. She's also fun. season five that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I haven't watched season five much like I hadn't watched season one a lot because I agreed that most of season five isn't for me. So this is going to be the first time where I watch season five all the way through with the newbies. Mm-hmm. I may have a different, uh, a different outlook. Probably not. Cause I freaking hate Byron, but we'll see. Okay guys. I think that's enough for Babylon for tonight on Babylon five. Hey, there's another podcast title Babylon on Babylon five. We'll be back next week to discuss legacies and we are nearing the end of this season one haul and i'm looking forward to when we start getting into season two although i will be the first to say season two takes a little bit to get going yeah it does but when we get to coming of shadows oh my goodness we are we are full steam ahead until next week when we talk legacies i'm scott and with me has been Blake and kevin and you can send your hate mail 
to gray17podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. What is it? If you, as you said, if you whack off at the uh, altar of Kubrick, I believe was the quote. Oh, boy. (laughs) Why do you need Babylon 4? Zathras tells. You let Zathras go. Finish what Zathras came for. Zathras tells. Maybe we don't break Zathras' scrawny little neck. Either way, it is bad for Zathras.